God cares deeply about our attitude. And the truth is that often our attitude could use some adjustment. Even in the best of circumstances, a good attitude does not come naturally. But we can replace complaining with thanksgiving, covetousness with contentment, criticism with love, and adjust our attitudes to honor Him. In this study, Lord, change my attitude based on the Israelites' life in the wilderness. We will learn how our attitudes can keep us in the wilderness or allow us to enjoy the blessings of the promised land. So we're in week five of our study on Lord Change My Attitude. It's a discipleship study that we did here at the church uh, maybe a few years ago now. And the application and the information in it is so much that we thought, you know, let's take that beyond the small group. Let's take it to the larger group. And the whole premise of the study is the children of Israel are in the wilderness. And while they're in the wilderness, they develop some attitudes that are not pleasing to God. In fact, we're going to see all of those attitudes in, in our study. But there are this, these are the attitudes. First of all, we looked at a complaining attitude. It's when we said the children of Israel were murmuring. They were murmuring against God because they felt like He was not treating them fairly. Not only did we see that they had a complaining attitude, but we found out that they had a covetous attitude. God was providing manna. God was providing water. It said that the manna came to them as a test to see if they would trust God to be sufficient for all they needed. And when they got the manna, then they began to say, and we want meat. And when we were in Egypt, we got this and we got that. And they began to covet other things saying, God, what you've given us is just not enough. Well, today we're going to look at a critical attitude. An attitude of criticism where they, the children of Israel, began to gripe against Moses and they began to gripe against God. And in that criticism, they displeased God. It says the anger of God was against them. Further on down, we're going to talk about doubting. We're going to talk about rebellion. But today, we're going to talk about criticism. Now, from the very beginning, we've said that attitude is a pattern of thinking developed over a long period of time. Everybody in this room has an attitude. You have something that you have developed from childhood or bad experience or good experience, whatever it is, but you have those. And what we want to make sure is that we take our attitudes, those things that we've developed over a long period of time, and that we submit them to God, not to culture, not to stereotype, not to what mama said, but God, what did you say about this fact and this truth and show me how to align my life so that you are the one that I'm trying to please. Let's talk about those attitudes that the children of Israel developed. Those attitudes became such that in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, in verse 26, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints. And what are the complaints? The attitude of complaining, the attitude of covetousness, the attitude of being critical, the attitude of doubting, the attitude of rebellion. Those five attitudes. He says, I've heard them. He says, 
I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number for 20, from 20 years old and above. I think attitudes matter to God. He said, because of these attitudes against me that I've heard that were in my hearing, these things that I've heard, you who have complained against me, those of you who I numbered out of Egypt, I am going to cause you to die in the wilderness. You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. Is there something in New Testament that lets me do the jump and does it apply to me today? Yes, in the book of 1 Corinthians it says, These things were written as an example for you that you may not falter like the children of Israel. So Lord, search my attitude. Lord, if my attitude's not pleasing to you, Lord, will you change my attitude? Will you give me a different one? Will you cause me to think like you think? Now, let's go. Our passage today, first of all, let me define criticism for you. Criticism is to dwell on the perceived faults of another person with no view to their good. To dwell on the perceived faults of another person with no view to their good. So let's break that down. Perceived faults. First of all, none of us are perfect, right? So look at your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. (laughs) None of us are perfect. So I really don't know when we talk about this, it's a perceived fault because it really may not be a fault because it's the scripture says, who am I to judge another man's servant? God is the one that lives inside of us. God is the one that can look at us. God is the one that can convict us of sin. And by the way, he never appointed us to be vice Holy Spirit. He really did not. He is capable of doing his job. So it's dwelling on the perceived thoughts of another. Now that idea of dwell upon. Now, how many of you in here would consider yourself an analytical person? You like to analyze things. Well, for you, this is going to be a bigger deal. Because you're going to see it, you're going to think about it, you're going to lay down at night, it's going to pop back up in your head, and you're going to have to dissect it and put it back together, dissect it and put it back together. For people like me, I'm just going, y'all all stupid. It don't even bother me no more. Because I'm like, yeah, they did it. They can't help it. You made them that way, God. And I can keep on rolling. Gail is an analytical person. She thinks about it. I'll be doing something, going on, forgot all about it, and she's got to give me a refresher course on the conversation because I don't remember. And then she's like, we just are still going and flowing. I'm like, I don't know. You're going to have to catch me up. Don't remember. But criticism to dwell on perceived thoughts of another. Now, look. With no view to good. The analysis needs to be with a view to good and for the purpose of helping that person become who they can be at Christ. That does not mean 
that in the body of Christ we are not accountable to each other because we absolutely are. There have been times that people came to me and they had conversations and they talked to me about it. They found a perceived fault. Probably it was, and most likely it was a real thought, a fault. But they came to me with the purpose of good. I invite those people. Now, those people that walk up to me and say, Chris, you can't preach. You won't ever be able to preach. And anytime you preach, I just don't even want to hear another word. That is not with my good in view. But that person that comes up and says, hey, what about this thought? Or did you know about this? Or when you do this, something else. Now, they're looking and saying, I would like to come alongside you and make you better at what God's called you to do. you got to love that. Because there is a difference between a critique and a criticism. A critique has a view of good. A critique says, I want to walk with you. A critique says that I want to be beside you and I won't leave you and we'll walk through this thing. A criticism says, I'm going to tear you down and I'm going to feel better because of it. Criticism, there is no place for that inside the body of Christ. So can it be good to go to a person? Yes, I think it absolutely can But the first thing you want to do, the scripture says what? Before you go talk to somebody about the speck in their eye, remove the log from your own. So am I going with a right heart? Am I going submitted to God? Am I going with a view for good? And I'm going to talk just a minute about the passage, and then I'm going to talk to you about some of the application. So the first point will be in just a moment, criticism is wrong. Hold that point for me right there and let me explain a couple of things and then we'll get into the application of it. But before we do, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. And what I'd like for us to do once you find the passage is I'd like for you to rise up. Okay, come on, Super Bowl Sunday. You got it, didn't you? Let's rise up and let's read the, I'll read the passage to you. Then Miriam, do y'all know who Miriam is? Somebody tell me. Moses' sister. And Aaron, who is he? Moses' brother. So we've got a little family thing going on here, right? We've got Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. It says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke to Moses because of the Ethiopian woman, maybe the Cushite woman, it's in your scripture, but either way, this woman whom he had married. So... The siblings have come together to have a conversation about the wife. Now, I'm just going to tell you all something. If you've never done it, it don't end well. So just up front, let me tell you right now. So it says, for whom he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Ooh, maybe jealousy? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. How many times have we heard that phrase in this study? And the Lord heard it. You think you're getting away with it and God hears it. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble. More than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. God heard it. 
God didn't like it, and he called a little family meeting between him and them. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, let me get my thoughts back, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in the dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then... Were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger. They said it. God heard it. It was contradictory to who he was and what he told them to be. They said it. God heard it. God gets angry. There's a pattern there. All right? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he departed. And when he cried Loud. Well, I'm sorry. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed. When he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterward she may be received again. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's very plain. We thank you that it is very applicable to our lives. And God, I pray that in this time that we have with it, that we will learn in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just walk us through, if you will, this process of understanding criticism. First of all, in Numbers 12.1, I'm just going to go just talk through the verses for just, that we read for just a moment. It says that they spoke against Moses. The NIV says that they criticized him. They dwelt upon a perceived fault in his life with no view to his good. Moses, Aaron and Miriam, we've already said it's his brother and sister. Now, interesting thing here in the Hebrew language, that that verb there in the spoke against is in the feminine. Aaron was a passive participant. Miriam was the one talking. Moses was just, I mean, Aaron was just hanging out. But listen to me. When you are just sitting there and somebody's talking and you're giving a a passive agreement by not standing up to or calling them out on, you are just as guilty as the one doing the talking. Remember what I told you. There was a time, I think I've shared this story with you, very early in ministry, 
I was on a staff, and two of the people that I was responsible for, I was responsible for both of them, they had a disagreement. And in their disagreement, one came to me and said, let me tell you what he did. And he would talk, and he would talk, and he would talk, and I would listen. And I never said, well, boy, he's wrong, or, oh, you ought to do this. I just listened. Kind of just listening. He would leave, and maybe a day or so later, the other would come in, and he would tell me his side of the story, and I would just listen. No statement, no stance, nothing. And this went on for a really long time. And finally, one of them walked in my office and said, you've got to pick a side. Because we cannot both be right because what we are telling you is absolutely opposed one to the other. And he said, if you want to do anything in the kingdom of God, you've got to learn how to stand up. I did not like it. That was criticism. But it was criticism with a view to my good, right? And it helped me out. But I want to tell you something. In our children's lives, in our married lives, in situations at work, a lot of times people come to us and they start talking and we listen and we don't want to offend anybody because heaven knows you offend anybody in the world today. You don't offend anybody. And so here we go. And now we have stirred it up worse than it really was. I'll give you another one that's even more that way. There was a conflict in my family. And I didn't want to be the one to to cause a problem, so I just listened. Well, by just listening, I created a greater problem than had I just blown it. Guys, talk to me. How many times has your wife been in a conflict inside her family... She comes to you and you say something like, well, I'm just not going to get in that one. Oh, you're in it. You are already in it. And that can go the other way as well. But what we see here is God has said that this thing is going on. They have spoken against. Miriam is speaking. Moses, I mean, Aaron is passively listening. But because he's passively listening... To that. Can I give you a warning? Watch out if you're the person that everybody has to come invent to. That's a danger sign. That's a red flag waving in the air. If you're the person that everybody has to come to to tell you what's wrong, you're creating something that's not healthy. You know, it would be easy for me to boo Miriam at this point. But then I think back to Moses' whole life. When the Pharaoh had issued a command to kill, it was Miriam who put him in the basket, put him in the river, stood and watched him till the Pharaoh's daughter came and got him. It was Miriam who approached the Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, wait a minute, I know someone who could nurse him. And she went and got her, her mom. <laughs> it's Miriam who in Exodus chapter 15, verse 21, she was the godly woman who sang out about the victory through the Red Sea. So you hear me. It's not just people who don't know the Lord that can fall into the sin of criticism. It can be the people that God uses greatly and mighty and repeatedly. 
That's why the scripture that we learned first is that I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's why Paul would say, take up your cross daily and follow him. It's why the scripture would teach us repeatedly, either directly or indirectly, to die to ourselves and be made alive to his purpose. Because just because you've had the moment of salvation does not mean that you bought a round trip or total ticket for success through that thing. You've got to daily cry out, God deliver me, God take me to another place. Miriam took her eyes off of who she was and what God had made her to be. Let's keep on going. Numbers 12, 2. The real issue in this passage is not the wife. The real issue is they just had to have something to grab hold to. And so they... Grab hold to Moses' wife. But the real issue here is jealousy. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Why is it always about Moses? You know, I think about this sometimes. Joy and the worship team get up here and they sing somebody else's songs. And y'all just applaud. And think, wow, look how good they did. They didn't do anything. They just sang something somebody handed them. Now I'm joking. Okay, I really don't think that. (laughs) Okay, something latent just came out in me. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) No. But here's my point. Here's my point in that. Okay. We can always look and say somebody else has it better. We can always look and say, God, why did you give somebody else the spotlight? God, why did you let da-da-da-da-da-da, and you fill in the blanks? You see, John the Baptist, John the Baptist knew his purpose. He was the setup man for the main act. He was the setup man for Jesus. He knew that. He knew that he was never going to be the headline on the, on the marquee. He knew that it was going to be Jesus... With opening act, John. But what made John so good at that was John was okay with it. John knew his purpose. He was submitted to the Lord. And he said, Lord, I am so happy to be the one preparing the way. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And as a child of God, submit yourself to those plans. And say, Lord, I will be the one. You use me. I'm okay with it. The issue here is Moses. Why did you use him? Moses is our family and he's getting all the glory. God hears the critical word. Numbers 12, 3. It's kind of a funny verse. Have you ever thought about it? Who wrote the Pentateuch? What does verse 3 say? That Moses was the most humble man in all the earth and nobody was any more humble than him? I'm pretty sure at that moment that if he was the most humble man in the world, if he wrote those words, that he ceased to be the most humble man in the world. So you talk about the inspiration of Scripture. What does that mean? You see, it's not just the writing of the words, but it's also the collecting of the words. And so the person that was collecting, the amanuensis, the one who may have have been recording the things that happened over a lifetime of, of Moses... When he hears that they're criticizing him, he inserts, by the way, Moses was the most humble man in all of the earth. 
So this is unfounded. So it's not just the writing of Scripture that makes it inspired. It's the collecting of it. It's the bringing it together. And so I don't believe Moses wrote those words actually. In fact, I will tell you this, that um, in Deuteronomy 34, when Moses writes about his death, I'm pretty sure he didn't write that. Because he was dead. But here... It's somebody that is, that's responsible for collecting, somebody that's responsible for gathering. They, they've taken up the offense of, wait a minute, you're criticizing Moses? This man was humble. Verse 4, the writer states to us, Moses' humility, therefore it's no surprise what brought God down in this moment was this attitude of criticism. It had to stop. And in verse 5, he says, you know what, if, if Moses was a regular prophet, I would have come to him in a dream. I would have come to him in a vision. But Moses isn't a regular prophet. He's the one in all the earth that I find to be faithful, the most faithful to me. And when I speak to him, it's a conversation. We talk through it. Basically, he's saying, you have no idea who you're attacking. You have no idea what you're do, talking about here. And why were you not afraid? If I hold Moses in this position, why were you not afraid to to criticize him? Much damage is done inside the body of Christ. When we take it upon ourselves to criticize something or someone... After we've dwelled upon it. Can I tell you that, that my firm belief inside the church is. When somebody comes to me and says somebody said. And then they deliver a message to me. Usually it's a message of I don't like it. Because usually it's, if, they want, if it's good. The name is always attached. It's funny that way. But when somebody walks up and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm not at liberty to tell you who. But somebody came to me and said, da, 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 da. My first response is, go get them. Let's talk about it. But what would even be better than that is rather than going to somebody and criticizing something, why not just come up and say it? And let's have the conversation. Let's put it out on the table. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're not going to always agree. We can agree to disagree, but we can love each other through the disagreement. I've been doing it for 28 years. And she hasn't left yet. And I'm going to tell you something. When Gail and I bring our criticism or our conflicts or our disagreements to the table and we look across the table or going down the road and she tells me to keep my eye on the road and when I talk I want to look. But either way, when we talk through those things, it is much good. It's much good. But let me pick up the phone and call Dallas and say, Hey Dallas, let me tell you what your mama did yesterday. And if just by the way, when y'all are riding to work tomorrow, if you could bring it up and y'all talk about it, Maybe you could fix it. Oh, that is a week on the couch. At least. Because that is a disrespect of Gail. And what 
they're saying here is, Moses is my servant. And whatever made you think that you could criticize him, why would you go off to the side and talk? And guys, listen to me. If somebody in the church comes to you and says, oh, let me tell you about somebody. No, at that moment, look at him and say, I tell you what, that sounds pretty serious. Why don't you and I right now go to them? Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about it. And this is what I found. If it's legit, they'll go. If it's not legit, they'll say, well, it's not that big a deal. Let's don't deal with it right now. No. Uh Uh-uh. Let's go talk about it. Because in the body of Christ, when we start sidebarring, when we start clicking, building clicks, when we start, this one over here doesn't like something about that one over there, we begin to put disunity into the body. When we put disunity in the body, the scripture speaks and says we destroy it. And God is very jealous for his church. And there is room to disagree. There's room not to be on the same page. Many members, one body. We can be there. And we can be better through it. And we can reach more people because of it. Because I guarantee you, when you put us in a room, put a hundred things on the table, and say, all right, let's all pick off the things that we agree about. We probably pick off 95 to things and only four or five things are left on the table and usually those things are not the things you die for. But he says, why did you do this? Could it be that a critical spirit is what's plugging the flow of God's blessing in your life? And when we get down through 9 through 14, we see that God judges harshly the sin of a critical spirit. I mean, here's Miriam. Saved Moses as a baby so that he could accomplish the purpose of God in his life. Here's Miriam who's singing through the Red Sea about how good God is. And because of this sin in her life, God judges it and she winds up with leprosy. And Aaron and Moses begin to cry out and Moses cries out to God, God, please, not now. Now, we know in three chapters she's going to die because all of them have to die. But not right now, God. And God says, well, I'll tell you what. If she were shamed in such a way that her father spit in her face, she would have to be put outside the camp for seven days. So what I want you to do, Moses, is take her leprous self, put her outside the tent, And in seven days, you bring her back. And it says that they did not move for seven days. So do you see the ramifications of her critical spirit? It not only affected her and Aaron. It affected Moses. It made God angry. She had to go outside the tent. But an entire nation of people That stuck. An entire nation of people could not move. Guys, do you understand the urgency of repentance in the church? Do you understand the urgency of repentance inside the body of Christ? You could look and say that very possibly 
that my sin, your sin, could be the thing that's blocking the flow of what all God wants to do in us. You say, is there another example of that in the scripture? You remember the children of Israel, they're marching around. And God says, this is what I want you to do. I don't, you can take and this is what you can't take. And they had a great victory. Then they went because one man took something that God put on the forbidden list and he hid it under the floor of his tent. And then they got to the little city of Ai. And it was supposed to be just a, a, a smashing. They should, Ai should not have beaten them at all. And they were defeated. And they cried out, God, why did we lose here? We just beat this powerful city back here. How can we lose to Ai? And God says, I tell you what, it's because of the sin. And he named the man. Does anybody know the name? Achan. That's right. Because of the sin of Achan. An entire nation suffered. Men, I believe our homes can suffer because of us. Ladies, I believe it can suffer because of you. Members of Mount Zion, I believe that our church can suffer if we have unrepentant, unconfessed sin in our midst. believe our nation can suffer God judges the sin what's the application let's, let's get on to it real quickly here that's the story what's the application of the story first of all criticism is wrong can we agree on that? Yes. Um, could be why my prayers are not answered. is because I need to confess. Criticism ruins our fellowship with God. Not our relationship now. Please hear me. Not our relationship. Because once we become a child of God into the body of Christ, we are always that child of God. But Isaiah 59.1 says this. Your sins have separated you from your God. Has it been a dry season? Have you prayed and God not responded? Isaiah 59.1 says that your sins have separated you from your God. Scripture also says, husbands, if you don't treat your wife right, your prayers are blocked. I couldn't find one for wives on that. I looked. <laughs> Criticism ruins our fellowship with God. Criticism is wrong for our relationships. It can cause you to be lonely. Criticism is wrong for us personally, for me personally. Every time God says don't, He's not trying to block your fun. What He really means is this, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. 
You suffer fellowship. You, you suffer emotionally. You suffer spiritually. You can suffer physically. So when I find myself confronted with my sin, what do I need to do? First, I go to God. Then I need to go to the person I wronged. Number two, criticism is petty. Read a story about an older couple that were having a conversation after being out with a group of people and as they're driving home the husband looks at the wife and says I think everyone is peculiar but you and me and sometimes I wonder about you yeah it's petty sometimes the real issue can be unforgiveness sometimes the issue as we saw already that it could be jealousy or envy Sometimes the issue is personal failure. I don't feel good about me and to feel better about me. I got to make you feel bad about you or at least I got to tell you that you ought to feel bad about you. Yeah. It's wrong. It's petty. It has a cause. I don't think in our confessing of our sin to God, God, I've got a critical spirit that we just need to say, God, I have a critical spirit, please forgive me. But I I think we need to explore that more and do like David, God, search me. God, show me why I've got a critical spirit. What made me go and tear down October? What made me go and say something critical or verbalize something critical about Scotty? God, why did I do that? Am I jealous? Kind of jealous of that hair, I ain't going to lie to you. So I wish I had a little, just a little bit. Am I jealous? God, do I have an unforgiving attitude? Maybe it's not even at the person you were just critical to. Maybe you're, you've got an unforgiving spirit towards somebody, something back there. And this person is the one that catches it. God, if, am I criticizing them because of my failure? Criticism is self-exalting. Oswald Chambers says, Be aware of anything that puts you in the place of superior person. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. One man said, Every time I throw dirt, every time I lean over and pick up dirt and throw it, I lose ground. I think there's truth in that. Yeah. Criticism is painful. There was a time in another church that I, that I finished speaking about something. And when I finished speaking this about this thing, there was a man sitting right over here. And before I could get from here to there, he was already to here. And when I got to the bottom, man, he was just on me. And he wasn't even taking breath and his face had turned red and spit was coming out of his mouth and he was just livid. It was painful. But it was painful for him because he came back later and he said, I haven't been able to sleep. It was painful for me. 
For two reasons. He needed a mint, and the second thing, his words hurt. Yes. Think about how Moses felt when he found out that his brother and sister had been off in a side meeting criticizing him. Think about how they all felt when God said, now we got to sit down and talk about it. Think about how Miriam felt when she found out that as a result of it, she was going to have leprosy. Think about how she felt, or Moses and Aaron felt, when she was the one that had to go live outside the tent. Man, it just keeps rolling like a snowball down a hill. Criticism is painful. It can be inadvertent. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh my Lord, please do not lay this sit on us which we have done foolishly in which we have sinned. Sometimes that can happen. We can get in a conversation, we can get on a roll, and before we say it, we said too much. Criticism plugs the flow of God's blessing into our lives. An entire group of people had to call time out because of a critical spirit. An entire generation of people did not get to see the promised land because of a, a group of attitudes that displeased God. But one of those attitudes was a critical spirit. Mount Zion. The scripture is clear for us. The scripture says to pray for one another. The scripture says love one another. The scripture gives us guidelines if we do need to go to one another. Right, Look at Matthew 18. Write it in the side. Go read it. But in many places it guides us on what to do. But the last thing that we need to do is to get in conversation that tears down another person. And we're not doing it because we're led by the Lord. We need to be led by the Lord and we need to make sure that we are communicating for their good. Because it can, it does, it is sin, it can hinder our prayers. And it can block the flow of God's blessing on our life. Listen to me. In your conversations, think about it before you talk about it. In your post on Facebook, think about it before you send it. Ask yourself the question, have I responded as a responsible, born-again person submitted to the Holy Spirit of God? Have I surrendered? Have I submitted? To God. Am I pleasing Him with this statement? Am I edifying a brother and sister in Christ with this statement? Whether it's a verbal communication or whether it's a social media communication. And the person that gets it. How are they going to feel on the other side? How is God going to view me 
on the other side of this communication. What do we do? We come to God. We surrender to Him. We say, Lord, my life, my words, my attitude is is here, God. I really do, hypothetically, God, I've got an issue with, with Bailey. God, I've got an issue with Christopher. God, I, I want to criticize. I want to just say, harsh, I want to do whatever I want to do. But God, I'm going to bring that to you because surely it's not all them. Lord, it's, it's got to be something in me. God, search me, know me, try me, show me what it is. God, change my attitude, change my heart. So that I align with you. God, I'm about to make a statement about a person or a group of people. Lord, help me to align my words so that I'm pleasing to you. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more, to listen to messages and teaching from Pastor Chris, To contribute through online giving, please visit our website at www.mzbc.org. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.